I would say that that require a lot of energy and discipline that perhaps was not really my goal because my goal is to make work that is fulfilling to me that speak to me, right? I'm not making work to cater somebody's needs. This is Art Is, a podcast for artists, where we brainstorm the future of the art world and the creative industries. I think it's really interesting that you've shared with us about this kind of professional facade, because how do you think Instagram plays into that? And how do you, as a creative, use Instagram as a tool, but also not let it intimidate you or create FOMO or negative comparison emotions? It's really hard. I know a lot of artists, like they don't even have Instagram on their phone. They only open it when they need to promote themselves, right? If they have a show coming up or if they are doing an Instagram sale, then they would like open it up. But a lot of them don't look at Instagram at all times. They're like, I want to see so-and-so doing this and that. I don't want to look at how this person got a grant, you know, like, I don't want to look at that. I know that there are people like that, but I think at the beginning, I was kind of like that. I would get jealous very easily. And I, I would like compare myself with a lot of artists, you know, like, how come this person got this opportunity? But I did. I apply for this to this opportunity as well. But <laughs> I have to do a lot of work, like internal work and like figure it out. How can I get what I want, right? Because the goal is to get what you want, right? And so I can't really let my ego to get in my way to get what I want. And so I would just ask, like, I feel like there's really nothing you can do except asking, right? I mean, I ask random question. I'll be like, send, send a question to a stranger and be like, hey, you know, we met, maybe we met at a conference before, but I'm just wondering, you know, how did you get this like amazing opportunity? What did you write in your proposal? And I felt like at least within the ceramic or academic view, I feel like artists are very open in terms of like sharing, right? Yeah, I got this opportunity because I wrote this and that because I did my research and I am creating a new body of work that respond to this art center perfect collection like that could be something that somebody told me and I was like oh yeah okay I learned that maybe my proposal was too I don't want to say the word basic but I felt like my proposal did not include how I would benefit from the art center resources or certain facility resources and so that's something I learned through talking to artists on Instagram and in doing so in you know not letting my ego to get in my way I actually gain a lot from it it's almost feel like an emotional roller coaster where like okay I'm feeling very uncomfortable I'm feeling a lot of jealousy and maybe sadness right but I feel like I have to like, just hold on tight and step out and ask that questions and then eventually, perhaps I'll gain the information that I need to know. What about you? Do you do that? Like, do you find it difficult to do that? Or do you just like right knuckle through it? I think 
what you said has been so powerful. And as we as we discussed before, I've been incredibly interested in creating a more peer-to-peer resource pool here on the podcast, especially around professional experiences and getting to share our own insights, because I think we can really learn so much from each other. So it's really amazing to hear this plight against your own ego and not standing in your own way as a perfect <laughs> descriptor of what happens. And it's really true. It's the simplest things, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, there are a lot of like internal conversation that I have with myself. But yeah, at the end of the day, I just take a step back and really look at the bigger picture and say, do I want this opportunity? How can I gather information about it in order for me to succeed? And I try to reframe my failure in a much more neutral way. Because I feel like a lot of time, if I rephrase something as like overly positive, right? Like it deep down in my heart, I don't believe it. Like if it's overly positive. And so I try to neutralize it in such a way that, okay, yeah, I can accept that there is 50% of the possibility that I can get this opportunity. I just have to ask, right? But, and, and by asking, perhaps I could increase the likelihood to like 70% that I would get this opportunity. And I feel like I just have to like take that baby step, baby step, and eventually I'll get there. That's the way I approach it. It's very embarrassing at times when somebody say, I'm sorry, I can't share that information. And you're like, oh, okay, all right, too bad. Well, if you don't ask, you never know, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like in asking, I actually got a lot of information and benefit. Recently, I got a teaching opportunity and it's an hour away from where I live. And so... It's a part-time gig, right? It's adjunct teaching, and they usually don't give you travel stipend. But since I was living so far away, I was asked if I could have a travel stipend. Of course, I wasn't thinking that, oh, they they absolutely 100% have to give me so that I would teach this class for them. Like, I'm not egotistic like that. But in asking, they were like, huh, I haven't thought about that, but I'll look into it. And then a month later, it got approved and I got a trouble stipend to teach a class, you know? So I feel like in that, it, I think the key point is that you, you should ask that question that you want to ask without having high expectation that it will absolutely 100% work. And so you won't let yourself down in that way, but maybe in return, you get a little bit thing back. Yeah, I think that's just so well said because if you're asking to a lot of different people too, your hopes aren't all on just one thing. You know, you're differentiating, you're creating a little bit of, you know, diversity in your options, and then you'll just see what happens. But otherwise, it's very hard and you get too focused on one thing. And it's really hard for that just one thing to always happen exactly as you want. Sometimes I feel like I'm at this like point where I ask, sometimes I'm in a situation where I would ask people, hi, are you, you know, I heard that you are a professor at this university or, you know, you're a studio manager at this art center. I'm wondering if you're hiring right now. And a lot of the time, or if, you know, if they're running an art business or a fabricator or whatever, and a lot of time they actually give me an answer that I would not have expected, right? They they would say something like, hmm, you know what? I have not thought about it, but 
now that you asked, right, you got me curious. And yeah, I'm at, actually maybe we would need an instructor or maybe we would need somebody to help with our business in the next two months. And so send me your resume. I feel like sometimes when you ask, like you, you have like unexpected answer and then you're like, yeah, jackpot. And then at that moment, you, you, you got so proud of yourself. That's awesome. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience with selling work and what your approach to selling has been these days and maybe what your aspirations are for the future in terms of creating like a practice of, of sellable art. Yeah, so this is my first artist residency. I'm at Berger Art Center in Kansas City, Missouri. And so this art center has a gallery and it also has a lot of holiday sale and yeah, just like events in general that allows you to sell your work, right? When it's come to selling, I feel like there are two way to do it. Like you can passively sell it and actively sell it, right? And I feel like right now I'm because I'm just getting it started, I think I'm much more about passively selling because I'm just making the work and then I drop it off at the gallery and then they do the work. They do the selling for me. And the gallery already have like a list of clientele that regularly come through the gallery. And so they're doing the work. But they're also getting 50% of their cut, right? By doing that, by doing the work for me. And so, you know, I'm trying out this way of selling. And then in the past, I have also done craft fair to sell functional work. But I would say that that require a lot of energy and discipline that perhaps was not really my goal. Because my goal is to make work that is fulfilling to me, that speak to me, right? I'm not making work to cater somebody's needs. And so I haven't done that for a while, but I think my focus right now would be passively selling my artwork through galleries. And I would try to like focus on talking to galleries, sending my proposal or portfolio to them so that maybe there's a chance that I could exhibit at a commercial galleries, right? But also because my work, I consider my work kind of conceptual and a lot of commercial galleries do not want that. They want sellable item, right? Something that is not breakable. Yeah. So right now I have only exhibit my work in non-profit gallery, right? I haven't exhibited a lot of work or have a lot of showing opportunity at commercial galleries. And so that's something that I'm still working on. And I think I learned a lot from my peers in terms of like preserving the artwork or how to talk to gallery. So like some people told me that the old way of approaching galleries does not work anymore, right? Which is email your portfolio to the gallery like that doesn't work anymore or you know showing your portfolio in person at a gallery somebody told me that that doesn't work anymore but then i also heard that that's not true i also heard that somebody got gallery representation just by emailing just cold email and so i feel like there's really not one way to sell your artwork and with like instagram you talked about how you found me on Instagram. And so I felt like 
a lot of people could succeed and have a successful art business who selling on Instagram and have your Etsy shop linked to your Instagram and sell it that way. And it's so fascinating that I learned that you could also, I mean, like sell it on, like just like in person. There are a lot of like internet sales going on, but people like to get to know an artist before purchasing an item. And so when I'm at an art center, I try to, where my residency is, like I try to talk to a community member as much as possible to increase the likelihood that my work would sell. You know, you don't want to be a bad person, a rude person. And so people end up hating you and your work. Right? <laughs> and so that, that's my approach. What about you? Do you feel like that you have to purchase somebody's work? You have to like somebody in order to purchase the work? I don't know. That's a really good question. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the question of the age now. I guess it depends on the type of work. But when you go to a museum, for instance, and you see a new piece that you haven't ever seen before, you're immediately drawn to it, even though you don't know anything about the artist, you don't know where they're from, or if they're even alive still. So I guess I could probably imagine purchasing work without knowing or, I guess, liking the artist. But I guess if I actively didn't like them, then that would probably stop me. <laughs> but if I just didn't know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of debate nowadays, especially male artists in the past. You know, they behave a certain way that perhaps would not consider as appropriate nowadays, right? And so, yeah, you know, this artist could make great work, but then maybe his personal life is a mess. It kind of affects the way I look at the work. And so it becomes subjective, much more like rather than objective. Like, is the work really good or is it good because I like this person? That's something that I think about a lot every time I go to a craft fair. But, you know, this also has a lot to do with the value of the, the work, right? If the work is really good, like you said, it's at a museum. And so its authentication or authenticity has been validated. And so when people buy that work, they're looking at their value. They're thinking about it as an investment rather than something that they would actually use, that they would actually collect. Do you see what I'm saying? Like if I'm just paying $50 for a handmade ceramic mug or bowl, right? I feel like the risk of it's like much lower than purchasing something at an auction house. Yeah, like I feel like it's much more personal than when it's come to buying something that you actually use rather than something that I'm just, hey, I'm just investing and I'm going to flip it. Yeah, definitely. So Cindy, I was wondering if there was something we haven't covered or any question that you'd like me to ask or if there's something you wanted to add to anything. You were saying that, you know, this podcast, it's about peer-to-peer -peer learning and brainstorming the future of the art industry. And so I guess I would like to talk about like the future of the art world especially after the pandemic what do you think like what do you like to see because personally i would like to see like i feel like because of the pandemic we got to stay home a lot more often at least for me i started decorating my house when i was in lockdown right and i felt like i had much more 
requirement in terms of like certain object in my house, like it has to look aesthetically pleasing. It has to speak about my personality, right? Or the color of my house should be something that I like instead of a white cube. And so like, I'm hoping that there would be much more entry-level art collector there for, so that they would start collecting more affordable art. Right. I felt like we should really talk about the idea of affordable art, right? What is affordable? Like what's the pricing like? And how do we determine that? Well, I, I think you answered that really beautifully right there. So I think it's a really good place to close with those thoughts on creating a new collector base and thinking about the art world as um especially from like a buying perspective as more expansive than we'd previously thought. And is there anything that you'd like to see less of in the art world moving forward? I guess I would like to, there are a lot of things that I'm curious about, about the art world, where I, and perhaps Yori Cupper in previous episode on your podcast, but you know, there's something about like art fair that I don't know about, like how do these people get in and what kind of people go to art fair is it a accessible thing right because even for art fair there's like different level of art fairs and so i would like to see like how like how they're construct right like what kind of people go to art fair certain types of art fair and like what kind of art fair there are like i noticed like in new york or in miami Especially in Miami, like I feel like there's not a lot of affordable art fair, but like in New York, there, there are a lot of those going on. And so I would like to see what it means to get into an art fair. I guess I would also like to see a lot more women artists because I felt like every time somebody make a lot of money at a commercial gallery, they're all men. I feel like that there's still this like stereotype where if a man make art, it's because they're really good at what they're doing. And I think that's come from tradition. And I'm hoping that there are more people who are willing to break down that tradition in the future. That's awesome. So, Cindy, uh, where can we find you online and reach out and learn more about you and your work? I have a website. It's www.cindyclsy.com. Com. I'm also on Instagram at CindyCLSY. Come find me. I have a lot of in-progress picture. I share a lot of my friends' work as well just to promote a healthy way to like promote my peer. Thank you for listening to Art Is, a podcast for artists. Please leave Art Is, a podcast for artists, a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. It really helps others find us. Also, I would love it if you took a moment to reflect on who in your life might also benefit from listening to this podcast. When you do, please share Art Is, a podcast for artists with them so we can continue to grow the show organically and brainstorm the future of the art world together. You can also support the work I do by subscribing wherever you listen and by donating to the podcast. The link to do so is in the episode description. Okay, that's it for now. Thanks so much and see you next Wednesday.